Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Come up on the screen, thanks, Chad. What happens when we fast? Verse eight. Let me read it. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Now the Amalekites were the Israelites, our enemies. Moses said to Joshua, "Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites tomorrow." I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Verse 13. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army. Now this you may be thinking, this has got nothing to do with fasting. It has got everything to do with fasting. Let me explain. This is a picture of what happens when we fast. In short, as long as Moses had his hands in a physical posture towards heaven they defeated the enemies on the earth when he became fatigued the physical hands came down and the battle would turn and you'd think that the best way of winning a battle is by fighting harder perhaps by uh, having better gear to fight enemies with if he just if Joshua just worked a little bit harder everything would be okay right well this is really important Because what Moses did in the physical, postured towards heaven, had an impact on the spiritual, postured towards earth. What Moses did in the physical, postured towards heaven, had an impact on the spiritual, postured towards earth. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. So as long as Moses had had physical obedience, he was winning the battle in the unseen spiritual world. And this is so key to fasting, because Moses shows us something. Every story that I'm going to tell us has a lesson, and I need you to, to remember this. My first point is physical obedience brings spiritual release. Physical obedience brings spiritual release. What we do with our physical body determines whether the spiritual battles over yours and my life will be won. And some of you, like Morgan said, have been in such spiritual battles. Maybe you are in one today. And our heads would tell us that something spiritual needs to happen. But honestly, the Bible shows us it's something more simple than we think. Because all Moses did was lift his hands his physical hands towards heaven and all we sometimes need to do is lift our eyes to heaven say no to physical food and watch the spiritual release happen miraculously that excites me that really does physical obedience brings spiritual release sometimes and somehow there is a connection between what we do physically and what we see spiritually Fasting is exactly this, a physical act of obedience that brings 
spiritual release. And like Joshua in this story, we can often try to work things out by trying harder, by forcing the issue, when actually all it takes is a simple physical act postured towards heaven. Does God perhaps demand of his people a physical act of obedience before he releases spiritual blessings? And fasting is one of those acts of obedience. I've got a quote here. It's going to come on the screen. I believe it's from a man called, what a name by the way, Smith Wigglesworth. Imagine having a name called Wigglesworth. It says, the world's needs, manifestations, revivals and all conditions are first settled in heaven, then worked out on the earth. We must be in touch with God Almighty in order to bring out on the face of the earth all things that God has in the heavens. Fasting is this physical act that touches the heavens that causes spiritual blessings to be released over every one of our lives. It releases power, it releases favour, it releases help. Maybe someone needs help today. It releases that. It releases protection, it releases health, it releases healing, miracles, blessing. It releases growth. The physical response of Moses' raised hands was recognised by heaven. And the physical response of saying no to some desirable things is recognized in heaven and God says watch what I do with your physical obedience Exodus 17 shows us physical obedience brings spiritual release number two my second story is from 2 Kings 6 what happens when we fast verse 8 now the king of Aram was at war with Israel he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. That was me. I would not be asking. I would be flapping. I would be running. I would be digging the floor and burying myself or something like that. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are far more than those who are with them. That seems mad. The man of God, Elisha, must have been mad. There were two of them, Elisha and his servant. And now he's saying those who are with us, two of us, are more than those who are with them. Chariots and horses. It's mad, right? Verse 17, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord so that he may see then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha the thing we learn about fasting from this story is that you are protected far more than you think you are protected far more than you think Elisha was so connected to God but the servant was loosely connected to God. One saw something that brought fear. The other saw something that brought faith. It's possible for every one of us in this room to be so closely connected to God that even when things around us seem dark and dismal, we are full of faith. 
But if we reduce our connection to God, to a lukewarm one, popping into church every Sunday, but not connecting to God intimately, instead we'll see with fear. And which one do you want to be? I know which one I want to be. Fasting brings us closer to God so that we can see and realise that we are protected. I felt I needed to add a little bit in today because I want to talk to those who call yourself a Christian. Christians who are afraid to dream. Christians who are afraid to dream. Afraid to step into more over your life simply because you're in fear. Perhaps you're in fear that because you are, if you're stepping into more, you're stepping to the front line of the battle and that means that you'll get more attacks from the enemy and more attacks on your family, more attacks on your health or your mind or your body and you don't feel like you can really take any more. You don't want to step forward in God because you know that you're going to get it. Well, yes, you'll be on the front line as you step into the more of God. And yes, the enemy will try and take you out. But rather than thinking about it with fear, why not see it with faith? Let me explain. In a battle, who receives more protection? Is it, uh, I believe Chad over here is a cadet. Is it a cadet? Is it a lieutenant? Or is it a four-star general? The four-star general is protected by the lives of all those surrounding him. And guess what? You are a child of God. You are not a cadet or a lieutenant or a four-star general even. You are a child of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And that means that you are protected by all of heaven's armies. So dream big. Ask big. Don't limit yourself or say no to God. Step in to the more of God. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. If you're in fear tonight, it's not God that's giving it to you. Instead, he has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. As we fast, it becomes alive in us. It becomes a reality that we are protected far more than we think. Thirdly, the third part of the tour of Italy or the tour of fasting is from Daniel 10. What happens when we fast? Verse 2. At that time, I, Daniel, fasted for three weeks. I ate no desirable food. No meat or wine touched my lips and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. This is where we, you may have heard the Daniel fast battered around this is where we get the words from the, the idea from in other words Daniel for 21 days became what we would know I guess as a vegan and it says suddenly suddenly as I was fasting and abstaining from choice food a hand touched me that made me tremble on my knees and he said Daniel you who are highly esteemed Consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up for I, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. I love this. I really love this, right? Because verse 3 says, Daniel ate no desirable food. And then verse 11 said, 
Because he did that, Daniel became highly esteemed. In the original language of the text, the two words there are exactly the same. The same word used to describe desirable food was what God used to describe Daniel as being highly esteemed. In other words, as Daniel ate no desirable food, God's response was, Daniel, you are desirable to me. This blows my mind. When we fast, here's my third point, we become desirable to God as you say no to the desirable. Let me put it a better way. You can't earn God's favour, but you cannot get more of God's favour without sacrifice. You become desirable to God as you say no to the desirable. And fourthly, and my final story, is one that many of us will know. It's an incredible story of Jesus healing a little boy. And it's found in Mark 17, verse 14. And the disciples had tried to heal this boy, but they couldn't do it. But one simple touch from Jesus changed it all. So what happens when we fast? Verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. We have a saying in our house that they chuck, we chuck each other under the bus. I don't know if anyone's heard this, but this man literally chucked the disciples right under the bus here. We brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus' reply kind of shocks me. This is his new disciples. A group of 12 average, normal teenagers who'd not really been with Jesus too long. They'd been thrown into the deep end. Surely, Jesus' reply would be, well done for trying. Here's how to improve so next time we can win. But sometimes Jesus says what we don't expect. He turns to his disciples and he says to them, you unbelieving and perverse generation Jesus replied how long shall I stay with you how long shall I put up with you bring the boy here to me and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed in that moment then the disciples came to Jesus in private I've added there with their tails between their legs and asked why couldn't we drive it out and Jesus replies because you have so little faith Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Verse 21, he adds this. But this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. To his own disciples, Jesus says there's a blockage. And that blockage is simply this. You are full of unbelief and you are a perverse generation. That seems so hard, harsh, so let me break it down. You are full of unbelief. When we disconnect from God, the source of life, which the disciples had done in this story, we actually, if you rewind a little bit, it says that Jesus had been away from them. They disconnected from God. And when we disconnect from the living and active word, which is Jesus, from worshipping him, 
When we're disconnected from his presence, unbelief begins to take over. Just in my life. In the form of fear, anxiety, hopelessness. And Jesus is saying that this means we are disconnected to God. And secondly, a perverse generation. In other words, you're too connected to the world. What does that look like? The Bible tells us in 1 John 2 verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, we've all been there. The lust of the eyes, we've all been there. And the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Compromising in our character. Telling lies. Looking at the things that we shouldn't. Picking up stuff that we've already been set free from. Desiring too many physical things. Being full of ungodly pride. And proud of our own achievements. Jesus was saying, this is the problem. You're too disconnected from God. And you're too connected to the world. And how true is that of our lives sometimes? We're too disconnected from God and we're too connected to the world. But I love Jesus. I love Jesus because he doesn't just give us the problem and leave us there. He doesn't just drop us and say, get on with it. He gives us a clear solution. I love his word. He shows us how we can fix that. Verse 21. This kind, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. You're too disconnected from God and too connected to the world. And Jesus says, how about flipping that? In prayer and fasting. Prayer is connecting to God and fasting is disconnecting from the world prayer and fasting connects us to God and disconnects us from the world could it be that those things in your life and my life that won't come out is because we're too disconnected from God and we're too connected to the world but Jesus shows us as we pray and fast we become disconnected from the world and we become reconnected to God and those things will come out I need this, I need this maybe someone in here does too you know the same disciples that Jesus turned around and rebuked he called them unbelieving, he called them a perverse generation became the same disciples that took on the world and changed it as they became connected to God and disconnected from the world and that upsets some people the lesson in this story is this that as we fast we receive power from God and can be powerfully used we receive power from God and can be powerfully used as we disconnect from the world and reconnect with God so there we have the tour of Italy the tour of fasting throughout the Bible four, four stories, true stories that we can apply to our lives today and the lessons that I believe we can learn from that is that physical obedience brings spiritual release you will get release on some of them things that you are battling with today as you fast and as you pray we become aware that we are protected we become desirable to God and we receive power from God and can be powerfully used by Him.
Romans 12 verse 1 therefore think of this whole message therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies your physical bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship 